Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. Well, good morning again. It is the 8th of July, and it is a Friday. So, yes, uh, on the Friday Farm Report from here in uh, in Middle Tennessee, first of all, um, I apparently mentioned at some point that we were picking peaches, and that threw someone in Minnesota completely off because she's like, peaches don't grow in Minnesota. And I'm like, okay. So I had to explain the magic of radio and how this all works. So I am with you right where you are, wherever that is, but I am also right here in my uh, in my own little home studio. So, um, uh, so, and I live on a farm, which I totally love. So uh, big questions now rolling in. What about the chickens? Um, my only update on chickens is that the time has nearly arrived when we need to integrate the younger crew with the older crew. And that is always like a hen pecking nightmare. And so as they establish a literal pecking order, so just prayers, because that's probably going to happen over the weekend. Um, And then uh, Jim in Connecticut wants to know more about the bees, what kind. Um, I think that what's going on here is that it's been so hot and so dry. The bees are now ranging about, lots of them, searching for anything that's blooming. And because my sweet husband, Jim, planted acres of summer mix uh, for the deer, because he wants to improve the deer habitat where we live, um, there are lots of blooming things right now, including fantastic sunflowers. So I'm celebrating the sunflowers I'm uh, sort of recognizing that the bees need to eat, and they're here doing that because we have things that are blooming. There you go. <clears throat> and chickens really not eating bees. Ah, there you have it. Um, lots of headline news this morning. Let me alert you to this one headline here. Japan's longest-serving prime minister, Shinzo Abe, was assassinated this morning while giving a campaign speech in western Japan. Um, Japan is a, a place where there are just really strict gun laws, um, and there's almost no gun violence because of that. Police quickly arrested the gunman on the scene. The shooting has shocked, um, you know, obviously many, many people right there in Japan. That's just not something that people in Japan almost ever witness, and they all witnessed it together because this was a televised uh, campaign speech in in view of an election that was to happen this coming Sunday. So Shinzo Abe, dead at the age of 67. In terms of worldview, let me just say this. And this is not going to surprise you, but it's like, where do I, you know, what's the mental hook upon which I hang this particular conversation today? Um, It's this. Death comes. Death comes. Death comes. Um, Death may come uh, at the end of a very long and successful uh, career in in movies and television. James Kahn is dead at the age of uh, 82. Um, it may come because someone sins against you, in this case, uh, bringing a gun to a campaign rally. Uh, it may come like it did for Natalia Kolesnik. She also died today. Natalia went outside to feed the family cat. 
It was the middle of the afternoon. She was wearing a yellow dress and blue shoes. And her picture, her photograph, the photograph of her body lying, um, following Russian shelling in her residential neighborhood of Kharkiv is going to be one of those, I believe, that uh, is going to sear the conscience again of the world. Death comes. The days in which we live are urgent for the gospel. Because death comes. The gospel is good news. And we are the people of God, chosen to live for such a time as this, who know the good news of Jesus Christ. Death comes. What comes after death? That is a question of either light or dark, lightness or dark, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of living forever in the depths of a darkness we would wish upon no one. Let's be people of light today. Let's be sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with everyone because death comes. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and this is Faith Radio. We're talking with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In. Adam, welcome back. Good morning, Carmen. I saw an Old Spice um, ad featuring the actor who plays Thor, and I thought to myself, well, (laughs) these are interesting days. Uh, The ad was about um, wanting to smell like a god or at least a man who plays god. So tell us about Love and Thunder, the new Thor movie. Well, there's plenty of both here, and if you've seen any of the first three Thor movies, you've got a reasonably good idea of what to expect. So the core of the story is Thor has sort of had this identity crisis. He's trying to find himself and figure out who he is and um, how he's going to live. In the midst of that, he reconnects with his old flame, Jane Foster, who, for a variety of reasons, is now also a Thor. She has his old hammer Mjolnir, which is fun to say like multiple times in a row, Mjolnir, Mjolnir, Mjolnir. It's very difficult, actually. Um, and Thor has a new sort of axe-like hammer. Um, anyway, I digress. <clears throat> the core of the story, apart from their relationship, that's the love part. The thunder part is there's a god, well, there's a guy who doesn't like god or gods on the scene. His name is Gore, the god butcher. Mm. His daughter was dying of thirst in a famine. He prayed to his particular God in his place that, you know, she could find some water and not perish. And um, that didn't happen. That prayer wasn't answered. And he then finds that God in an oasis full of water and concludes that gods are capricious and self-centered and then acquires a sword called the Necrosword, which uh, enables him to kill any deity. And by deity here, we're talking like, think Greek gods. Several of them show up here, you know, the pantheons of different deities throughout the history and universe. Um, And he goes on a crusade to kill everybody, uh, kill all these gods. And of course, 
that puts him on a collision course with Thor, who it turns out is one of the very few gods who apparently cares about humanity. And so, you know, it's an interesting film in that it posits the question, does God care about us? Uh, and the film largely says, mm, a lot of these gods don't, but of course we know they're false gods. So if you wanted to have a pretty interesting theological conversation, I think you could. Uh, unfortunately, we get another big LGBT storyline mm. from Marvel. We get a lot of violence, a lot of profanity. We get Thor's naked backside. I sort of feel like Marvel's at this frog in the kettle inflection point where every time they put a movie out, it has more and more problems that we have to navigate. So uh, this is one with a lot of stuff going on. It's rollicking. It's entertaining. There are lots of laughs, but there's a lot of content, too. Yeah. Um, all right. How about Marcel the Shell with Shoes? This is a fun little movie. And some of your listeners may be aware that back in 2010, um, there was a guy named Dean Fleischer Camp who produced just three YouTube videos about his little friend Marcel, who is a shell. And actually, if you look closely and you think to yourself, that looks like somebody's hand. That's exactly what it is, although it's animated in this case. Um, and Marcel is a very sensitive little shell. Uh, the first video in 2010 got 32 million views, which is why it is now a movie, low these many years later. And in the movie, uh, Dean plays um, basically a documentarian interviewing Marcel about uh, his life. Uh, and he lives with his grandmother, whose name is Connie, but he has been separated from the rest of his family because the house in which he lives, that couple got a divorce, and they were fighting one night, and all of his family crawled into the sock drawer, but the husband cleaned out the sock drawer and uh, took all of his family with them. So there's a separation, and Marcel becomes something of a cause Celebre and uh, becomes a YouTube star in the movie, uh, gets on social media as he looks for his family. So apart from a little bit of profanity, there's really no content here at all. And this is an interesting movie, I think, about community and family. Um, if you watch the trailer, you may think, oh, that looks sweet or, oh, that looks really weird or both. Uh, but at one point, Marcel says, you know, it's pretty much common knowledge that you got to have 20 people to have a community. Now, we could argue about the number, but what Marcel is saying, I think, at its core is correct, that community is about all of us together, and when we don't have that, um, we lack something. So really fun little movie, quirky. Um, watch the trailer. It'll give you a good sense of what to expect here. Um, but uh, one that I think a lot of people – May not know about, but uh, might be one worth considering this weekend. All right. We're talking with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In uh, about movies you might want to check out and those you might want to avoid. We're going to um, we're going to talk next about what we do as Christians when um, people that we may have followed uh, as uh, Christian media personalities or musicians um, make a life change um, or at least a life revelation uh, and very publicly living uh, living in ways that are contrary to what we understand to be God's good and perfect will 
for us in the world. So how do we how do we respond to that? How do we live with those revelations? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, there is an LGBTQ artist who is uh, number one on the iTunes Christian charts. Um, We are talking around a topic that is, I think, pretty complicated for us today as Christians in the culture. Um, Trey Pearson is, frankly, not a name that I recognize or know, but that's because I don't really not a music person. So talk with us um, uh, about this former Christian rocker. That's how he is described. And then also this related queer Christian artist, Similar, who is also featured on this album in a song called Hey Jesus. Um, what What's, Adam, what's going on here? Well, both of these are artists, and we're seeing more and more people who at some level have identified with Christianity um, coming out and embracing a full, you know, affirming and embracing an LGBT perspective. Um, and, I, and we're going to see more people uh, do this. And as you said before the break, Carmen, this is an incredibly complex conversation. Um, but I think as we think through it ourselves and as we talk about it with our kids, maybe our grandkids, um, we've got to go further than, you know, homosexuality is bad or God doesn't like it to, I think, back to Genesis, to a deep understanding of the fact that God has created us male and female in his image, and that everything the Bible has to say about our sexuality and what we're supposed to do with it is really rooted in that. And we live in a fallen world, and our sexuality is one of, you know, many things that are affected. And and I think... um, it's complicated because, you know, he talks about how he fought against it for years and years and years. And it was only when he sort of accepted and embraced it that that he said he found peace. And I'm not going to argue with with this artist's experience, um, but I also would raise some theological questions here, you know, about, OK, if we decide that something scripture calls sin is no longer sin. How do we deal with that? Uh, and, and if I were in a conversation with him, I suspect he wouldn't necessarily like what I had to say about that. Uh, and I think the other passage of scripture is, is the woman caught in adultery. You know, Jesus says, neither do I condemn you after all of her accusers leave. But then he goes and says, now go and leave your life of sin. And so, there's grace and truth there, and I think oftentimes when we hear conversations about LGBT artists um, there in the, in the mainstream culture as well, in our their desire to embrace and affirm that, uh, there may be, I think, a kind of distorted grace, but but truth kind of gets lost along the way. So this is an incredibly complex conversation, Carmen, and I'm only just scratching the surface. I suspect you and I could talk about it for a long time. 
Uh, but those are some of my initial thoughts. What do you think? Well, I think there are um, there are a lot of people uh, to be concerned about um, in this storyline, and um, you know the the woman who is left and the two children yes. who uh, would now have a, a father who left their mother in order to engage in a relationship with another man. There's yep. a lot of ministry opportunity and lots of layers to this conversation. And so how do Christians respond? How does the church respond? Um, I'm interested that uh, this individual responds to a question about a particular song. The song is Can't Go Back. And he says, well, that song is about my relationship with evangelical church people, people who told right. me they still loved me, but the phone then stopped ringing. They don't want to be in my life anymore. They didn't actually love me in a way that was real and active. Okay, so maybe the problem is that um, you, st- you, you if you're not listening to what someone else is saying um, and you have determined that sin is not sin, and you are going to be the arbiter of what is and isn't love, um, then the confusion is not necessarily on the part of the evangelical church people who are here maligned as no longer calling. Um, But, you know, um, I mean, at some point, right, I'm, I'm shaking dust off my feet and I'm moving on to, um, to conversations with people who, um, whom God seems to be wooing unto himself. This is complicated territory. And I think figuring out how to speak truth without being, um, by being faithful to God and yet recognizing people are living in total delusion and complete disorientation. Um, I mean, there's a brokenness that is, uh, that is real and there's shattered relationships all over the place. Um, in, in, and so, yeah, there's just, there's a well, lot here. There's a lot here to, to till. I think one other thing is that one of the lies of our culture is that you can't live a fulfilling life unless you are sexually fulfilled on your terms. And our sexuality is an important part of our identity, but it's not everything. Uh, and it's not the core of our identity. And our culture, I think, is looking for transcendent meaning there, and it can't countenance the idea that actually perhaps saying no to some of those desires, even though it's difficult, is the right thing to do. And ultimately, it is not it is not the thing that is of ultimate importance. And I'm not trying to minimize it, but I think our culture has has sold us a bill of goods that, well, my goodness, if you're telling somebody they can't have sexual fulfillment it's akin to a kind of secular damnation um, as opposed to saying, no, this is just one part of our identity, but it's not everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, again, there are so many ways I think we need to be speaking with sensitivity, with love, but also with truth into this issue, Carmen. Yeah, absolutely. That is so helpful. All right. Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. There is some great stuff at PluggedIn.com. I don't want you to miss um, on the Plugged In blog, 10 movies or documentaries to watch to celebrate life. Those would be, uh, that would be a fruitful and useful time to spend. A great list there. Again, you can find it all at PluggedIn.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. Let's take a break for Breakpoint.
All right, somebody embarked on a little project to survey Christians about their most popular psalms. Um, and they used uh, Facebook, they used Twitter, they used um, other uh, online resources to uh, to interview, I mean, really just to cull the feeds and see, like, what are the most popular psalms out there based on uh, the psalms that people are quoting in their public discourse. So maybe not surprising, Psalm 23 leads the list. The Lord is my shepherd, leads me in paths of righteousness, I fear no evil, dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Some of the excerpts of that that are most often highlighted. Psalm 121 came in second. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence does my help come? My help comes from the Lord. He who keeps me will not slumber. The Lord will keep you from all evil. Psalm 138. I give you thanks, O Lord. All the kings of the earth will praise you. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. Psalm 62, my soul waits for the Lord. My soul waits for God alone. He alone is my rock and my salvation. Trust in him at all times. Psalm 46, God is our refuge. Um, That's also the psalm in which uh, we are reminded to be still and know that God is God. Many of the um, psalms that come, you know, toward the very end, psalms of praise and um, and thanksgiving to God, um, but also the uh, the psalms um, that describe God's protection from evil and from evil doers. And then Psalm eighty four makes the list as well. As does Psalm forty. Uh, I wait patiently for the Lord. Um, we we probably many of us uh, can sing Psalm forty. Um, but Psalm 84, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord. A day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Um, when you think of the Psalms, what does God bring to mind? How has God used the Psalms as the hymn book of your life? We're going to talk with Trevin Wax um, about the Psalms and in particular um, using the Psalms as an entry point into rhythmic prayer. Three times a day. The Psalms in 30 days. What would that look like? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. We get to talk to Trevin Wax from time to time about what he is writing at the Gospel Coalition. And so I want to encourage you to check out his posts there at thegospelcoalition.org. But he's joining us today with a brand new book, Psalms in 30 Days. Um, Trevin, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Hi, Carmen. Great to be with you again. Really just kind of want to ask you about your birthday because you did something really cool on your birthday this year. And since I follow you on Twitter, I know that. But we'll just encourage people to go to your Twitter feed and sign up for your email to get your um, G.K. Chesterton tour of uh, of his home. There you go. I know. What, what an amazing so thing cool. for my birthday as a Chesterton fan. You know, <laughs> I couldn't have I couldn't have planned that better myself. I mean, that's so cool. All right. So we're going to talk about the Psalms. We're going to talk about using the Psalms as um, what I'll just describe as this prayer rhythm. Um, so d- tell us about this project, Psalms in 30 Days, um, and then we're going to get into it. You know, I think prayer comes, prayer is hard for a lot of people. Uh, you know, a lot of times we find ourselves falling into the same rhythm of of saying the same words over and over again, or of, of you know, just not not being able to carve out this space to be able to to pray. 
And so a few years ago, I thought, you know, one of the ways that would be great for me to structure my prayer life personally would be to figure out a way to pray through all 150 Psalms every month, uh, but to divide up the Psalms in such a way that I could I could do it three times a day. There's scriptural precedent for that, a morning, a midday, and an evening time of prayer where I'm, it's, it's about, it takes about the same amount of time each time. Um, and then to, to, to put those Psalms within a, the framework of a, of, of something of a prayer journey. So, you know, like, like with a call to worship and with a, a brief confession of our faith or a confession of sin, or, you know, another song from scripture, uh, that we want to, to, to praise the Lord with, uh, prayers from the church throughout the ages, you know, the, the great Christians who have gone before us, you know, um, a place for some, some personal requests and things. And so I started doing that several years ago and, um, then COVID hit and I thought, you know, this might be great because we're all stuck at home. Why don't I, you know, we, we put this in a PDF form, we give it away. We let people, you know, pray the Psalms together, uh, during a, a period of worldwide crisis. And that's, uh, that eventually then led to this hardcover, beautifully bound book mm -hmm. that is, is 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 meant to be a rich devotional experience that will take you through the the what the psalms which we could say are, are the prayer book of Jesus. Definitely the prayer book of Jesus, the the hymn book of the Second Temple period. Um, and so there are, I mean, there's good reason that many of the psalms are set to music, and when we start to read them, our our you know our souls start to sing them as well. In some cases, this is a practice. Um, over thousands of years, not just memorization and recitation and singing of the Psalms, but using them um, to provide a structure and a rhythm for the Christian's prayer life. And so thank you. I mean, the book is uh, this beautiful, it's it's physically beautiful, but it's also just this beautiful prayer journey as well. Psalms in 30 Days, we do have some copies to give away um, if you're interested in entering the drawing, you want a little help structuring your own prayer life, you want to uh, walk into and through the Psalms in 30 days, text the word book to 877-933-2484. Again, you just text the word book to 877-933-2484. Trevin, um, I mean, I'll just confess to you, the, the book is beautiful. It feel you know, it's like has this like heirloom quality to it. Um and I, I recognize that if we're going to do this, if we're going to enter into this, we're going to turn the pages of this book over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Um, talk about the the rhythm of doing this every thirty days. Yeah, this is you know this is uh, one of the, the the main things that that motivated me to to get this book together. You know, I remember a conversation with uh, Keith Getty a few years ago, you know, the the songwriter who gave us In Christ Alone and has written lots of modern day hymns. Uh, Keith said, we're, we are a generation in danger of losing the Psalms. Like we are, we're one of the first generations that's not known for uh, uh, praying the Psalms morning and evening, praying through the Psalms every month and whatnot. And and I thought, I don't want that to be true of me, and I really don't want that to be true of our generation. So how do we make this accessible and easy and like as, as easy as possible? Uh, there is a rhythm here. I, I, I compare, I, I tell people it's like a spiritual workout because I, I, I think sometimes we, we come to a, a discipline like this and we expect to, to feel something amazing every time we do it. You know, every time I sit down, I'm working through the Psalms for this particular reading or these prayers and whatnot. 
that I'm going to feel some sort of lightning bolt of inspiration or whatnot. And it's really not like that. Sometimes it is. It's wonderful when it is. But sometimes it's more like just, you know, you're you're eating a meal and you may not remember what you ate three weeks ago, but it sustained you, right? And this is how the Psalms are. You you work your way through them. Um, sometimes you're feeling exactly what the psalmist is feeling and you're, his words are like terrific expressions for your own heart's feelings at the moment. Other times it's not like that at all. And you realize, you know, I'm not feeling this lament that the psalmist is feeling right now, but I know... I know there are other Christians in the world who are, and I'm lifting my voice. I'm, I'm, I'm growing my heart. I'm expanding my heart to, to express these God-inspired emotions back to God, uh, knowing that I'm uniting my voice with other people. I think there's something about the rhythm of doing that three times a day, every day of the month, that is, is life-transforming over time. And it's, it's kind of like, you know, when you do exercises, you don't you're not changed from one day to another, but you do them enough, you do them long enough, you continue to do that spiritual workout. And over time, you do see, you do see changes. I think that's what's happening, but in the soul, as we, as we engage in disciplines like this. Hmm. Psalms in 30 days. Um, One of the things that I think is notable here, and we want to tell people is that it um, is using the text of the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible, for people who missed out on um, on this, Trevin, what is the CSB, um, and and why do you choose to use it here in Psalms in 30 Days? Well, I had the great honor and privilege of leading the team that launched the CSB back in 2017. So it's it's been five years now. The Christian Standard Bible. It's a uh, a pretty thorough revision of the HCSB, the Holman Christian Standard Bible that that was released, um, you know, about 20 years ago or so. But it's just a it's a it's a fantastic fresh translation that is. I tell people if if you like the ESV or you like the NIV, it's kind of like the best of both in that it's it's a little it's a little more literal formal than the NIV, and yet it's more accessible and readable than the ESV. And so, you know, I love lots of different translations of the Bible, and I encourage people when they're reading the Psalms, you know, dig into a fresh translation um, and just see what what jumps out at you, because we have so many good ones in English. But uh, the CSB has become my my default translation, my primary translation that's good for Bible study, for preaching, for just casual reading. And that's that's the the translation of choice for for this one. And it may be new to some listeners, and I encourage them to like to, to lean into that newness to to enjoy the Psalms uh, in this translation because it is it is uh, uh, newer and there may be some some no matter how familiar you are you are with the Psalms there may be some some renderings here and there that that strike you fresh because of the the translation you've chosen to to pick up and 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 make this prayer journey through. We're talking with Trevin Wax. We're talking um, about the Christian Standard Bible. That is the version of the scriptures that is used in Psalms in 30 Days. If you want to enter the drawing that we have, uh, that we're doing right now for the copies of Psalms in 30 Days, um, all you have to do is text the word book to 877-933-2484, and we'll get you entered into that. Um, we're going to continue our conversation with Trevin in just a minute. I'm, I'm hoping, Trevin, that um, I can have you talk with us a little bit about the series that you are also posting at thegospelcoalition.org um, on culture engagement. Could we could we talk about that as well today? Sure, that would be great. Wonderful, wonderful. All right, so go ahead and text the word book to 877-933-2484. 
to enter the drawing for the copies of Psalms in 30 Days we're giving away today. More with Trevin Wax in just a moment. We are, uh, we are talking with Trevin Wax. He is, among other things, the editor of the Christian Standard Bible, the CSB translation. Um, we are talking about his book, Psalms in 30 Days, which is just this wonderful gift in terms of journeying in the scriptures morning, midday, and evening. If you are looking for um, a pattern in which to help structure your prayer life and your spiritual rhythms, this is a great one. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. You can also um, read what Trevin is writing on a regular basis at thegospelcoalition.org. And so right now, Trevin's got this ongoing series on what I will describe as equipping Christians for what's going on in the culture today. I don't know that the series has a name. That's sort of my name for it. So, Trevin, um, first of all, thank you again for being with us today. Talk with us about where we are um, and and how we live when we wake up realizing we're not in Kansas anymore. Well, you know, I think different uh, different Christians respond to the the cultural moment in different ways. A lot of times, depending on their own temperament, their own sensibility, or even their the you know the place that they are, the actual region that they may be in the United States. Uh, and this series is is really a, I, I would look at it as an encouragement and some some caution for what I see is, you know, guys that uh, men and women that maybe you know. 10, 15 years younger than me in some cases, who are are really longing for something more like the 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 uh, cultural engagement that we saw from the religious right uh, back you know 30, 40 years ago. And I have um, you know I I grew up in in that sort of environment, and you know as I'm getting older myself now, I there are some there are positives and negatives to different approaches to cultural engagement and i see this sort of uh, this rise of a a neo religious right which is saying you know what we we need to not try to be they're saying things like we need to not assume that a winsome mindset and attitude toward our neighbors is necessarily going to win them over to our positions so we need to uh, exercise uh, as much as as much influence and authority as we can in the political sphere um, to be able to to bring about change and sometimes yes to even establish some of the things that we think are good versus what is not good or harmful for for society and so this series really for me is to 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 kind of interrogate some of the assumptions that are behind uh, that way of thinking and to uh, to 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 provide some encouragement where I think there's some, some good, some good aspects, actually uh, some good ways of thinking. And then also to, to provide some cautions so that we're, we're careful that we avoid some of the excesses or some of the challenges that we've seen um, with that, that very political approach in, in generations past. Mm -hmm. So I was intrigued by um, one of um, they're all very, very good. So let me encourage everybody to read the whole series at thegospelcoalition.org. If you just click on Trevin Wax, this is what's going to come up. Um, I'm looking at one right now, this truthful witness one, um, where you really do outline for us, like, 
four things that we should be thinking about and considering. Always be on guard against political idolatry. Consider areas of competence and calling. The recognition that we need all types and the truthful witness matters, whether it's politically plausible or not. Can you can you walk us through um, those four observations? Sure, sure. I mean, the first one about about political idolatry is it, it comes it comes up in, in two different ways. Um, the first is whenever we assume that whatever's happening politically, when we when we invest all of our hopes and uh, all of our you know fervor in just one sphere, we we place too much on politics. Like there's there's no Messiah coming through politics. We have a Messiah, um, and so you've got to you've got to chasten your expectations when it comes to what's happening politically. You know there's always going to be wins and losses. Even the wins are going to often lead to to additional problems. You know, even reforms need to sometimes be reformed. Like it's just it's it's the way of the world. So you've got to recognize that uh, politics is always going to going to be this this area that's very important, but we shouldn't we shouldn't invest all of our hope there. Um, but the, the the second thing on that is that every modern political ideology uh, ideology tends to take some truth, but then I, idolize it or deify it to the point that it winds up uh, leading to to error. So, and and no political philosophy or ideology escapes this. Um, there's you know some books and there's some other things that that show this. So you've got to you've got to recognize that um, political idolatry. Um, even for a good cause, can lead us away from the hope of the gospel. So we need to engage in politics, but with chastened expectations and recognizing that political solutions and philosophies all have their 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 strengths and weaknesses and flaws. That doesn't mean they're all the same. That doesn't mean they're all alike. That doesn't mean that uh, we should say that um, uh, you know that that uh, there's not one better than another, or that we should try to not engage with one versus others. No, it's simply saying just have a, a realistic expectation of what is, is taking place. And, and the other points I mentioned there about areas of competence and calling is just, you know, I, I, I've been a pastor. I, I serve pastors. I, I don't want church leaders to feel like they have to be experts on political policies um, mm-hmm. or on, you know, public policy. Like that's, that's not the, most pastors don't have competence in that area and that's not the calling anyway. But we do need to recognize that there may be people in the congregation who really, who are geared in that direction, who who do serve, you know, uh, uh, in in politics in some way, or run for office, or what. Like there is a place for partisanship even uh, among Christians. I think I think we've got to differentiate what we should expect from pastors and what we should expect from people in the congregation who who are equipped to be in that way, in, in similar ways that we would not expect a, a pastor to know how to perform a surgery. And yet there may be a doctor in a congregation who can do that. I think that uh, we, we've got to, to, to make sure that pastors are freed up to be able to stand uh, on the platform before a congregation week after week saying, this is the word of the Lord. This is what God says. Not We, we don't need our pastors to be pundits. Um, yes, they may speak to some political issues here and there as the word directs them, but I think we've got to, to, to carefully differentiate what the expectation is for a pastor versus what people in the congregation may be. Um, and then, and that's what I mean by saying we need all types. You know, the truthful witness is, is a community affair. Uh, we, need, mm-hmm. we need different people. They've got different skills. They've got different gifts. Um, if our witness is going to be full and robust, we, we, we need people with different 
of gifts. We we need we don't need everyone doing everything. We need everyone doing something, but that something's going to be different uh, based on on whatever the, the the particular gifts that God gives a person uh, is going to be. So I'm just I'm encouraging people as as they think about politics, as they think about political engagement. Don't let that be the defining narrative of your life, of your day. Don't let your ups and downs be based on, you know, if your political party is 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 winning at the polls this week or if you're losing at the polls or, you know, if uh, um, take the, the longer view, recognize that to be a truthful witness means we've got to speak up and we've got to speak out. We've got to be bold and we've got to be courageous. Um, and at the same time, uh, whether it works or not, we are to let our speech be seasoned with salt toward outsiders. And we are to be, um, you know, as winsome as we can, not knowing if that's, that's not really something we do because we think it'll work or not, but because we, we do, we want to win over our neighbors. We want them, we want Mm -hmm. to win them to Jesus. And we, we want them to be more, uh, we want, we want um, our positions to have a, a plausibility and an attractiveness toward them uh, through our, our own personalities and our own behavior, uh, our words and our actions uh, whether or not people accept the truth, that's not up to us. But uh, to be a truthful witness is what God calls us to be, no matter what the results may be. Yeah, amen. That is so good. That is so helpful. Um, I, I really, I, I've appreciated so many um, of the offerings in this series. And so I just want to turn everybody onto it. So go to thegospelcoalition.org. You're looking for Trevin Wax. You're looking for um, a, a series of articles. One of my really favorites in this is five quick takes um, for new culture wars. Um, but the whole series is excellent. Trevin, as always, thank you so much for joining us. We really we value your time with us. Well, thank you so much for having me, Carmen. Always great to be uh, with you. Well, thank you. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Hey, when's the last time you visited us at MyFaithRadio.com? If you haven't been to the website in a while, please, please, please come and see us, MyFaithRadio.com. We have Faith Radio's biggest book giveaway ever going on this month. We also have a place for you to share your Faith Radio story. You can sign up for the verse of the day, on and on and on. If you have not recently visited us at MyFaithRadio.com, hey, It just takes a minute. And there's some really great stuff there, including um, articles by, I don't know, some of your faves. Access to all of our programming. Have a great... Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.